Hi and hello again. I'm Lana from wellnessjourneys.co.uk and welcome to my podcast Journeys to Wellness. My website wellnessjourneys.co.uk will give you a lot more information about who I am, what I do, but I love to help people to find their purpose on the journey we all know is life. So today that's exactly what I'm going to be talking about. What is our purpose? And it's a big question and I remember someone said to me once, you know, what is your purpose in life? And um, I thought, wow, what is my purpose in life? Um, maybe my purpose in life is to, let's see, let's think about this. And I did and I thought about um, maybe it's making other people happy, making the world a better place, spending as much time as possible with the people I love challenging myself intellectually and physically is that my purpose and I think as I've got older and I've gone through life I've realized that my purpose has changed at different stages at different junctions of growth and I think that's the same for most people although a lot of us don't realize it but our purpose in life what is it well, I remember when I was little, when I was a, a child, and uh, the the stuff that I was seeing, the world that was going on around me wasn't very nice. I was seeing my mother upset a lot of the time. Um, coming from a single parent family, and my mother struggling, working sometimes two or three jobs to keep the family afloat. And then having the emotional breakdowns that she used to have quite frequently and being scared and um, I think my purpose at that time really was just to survive, was just to get through to the next day, to go to school and to be able to forget the world that was going on around me. As I've got older I've realised that my purpose, as I said, at different junctions has changed and I remember specifically at the age of 30 when I was told that I would never have children, I had a complete hysterectomy, but something happened at that time at the age of 30 when I realized that my purpose in life was to be someone that could help other people. But it wasn't just a thought, it was more of a feeling, it was more of a knowing and I look back at that time and I really, really do appreciate the time that I had to think about um, how I wanted to, how I wanted my life to pan out. A lot of people were upset and sad and, oh, you've been trying for so many years, you know, to get pregnant, to have children, that's all you've ever wanted. And here you are now, poor you the age of 30, having a complete hysterectomy, and how does the future look for you? In that time, I can remember being so excited and so elated at the fact that my life was taking a different turn. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that something deep inside of me wanted to make a difference. And I remember, as I've said in former uh, former podcast, um, I got very sick after my hysterectomy. I had complications. I had to go back into hospital three times. They thought I had cancer that had come up through having the 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 operation, and I was very sick. And I I didn't feel that 
there was a way out. I really believed I was going to die to the point that the last time I went into hospital, I remember waking up and I was wrapped in foil and blankets and I'd had a blood transfusion. And I remember my, my ex-husband sitting there crying and saying, oh my gosh, what, what have you done? What have we done? And I couldn't feel the connection to his pain or his need. All I could feel was a sense of relief and that I was going to be okay. But anyway, I went to I went to stay with some friends in the Mediterranean. And that was the start of my spiritual transition. It was the start of my new life, I like to call it. My purpose, finding my purpose and knowing that this, what had happened, the bad stuff that had happened throughout carrying my story, carrying all the pain and the trauma, the deep embedded trauma at a cellular level, it come to the surface and manifested itself in the physical disease within my body. And I was given a book to read, Power in Prayer. And this was given to me by a very strong, faithful Christian man who believed that, um, he believed in me and believed that I would get well and I would continue. I read this book within a couple of days and it was transformative because it told me that whatever experience we have in life, be grateful for it, be in gratitude, forgive those that have hurt you. But before you can do that, you have to forgive yourself. So it started me on a journey of understanding that there was something higher than my cognitive mind that was telling me one thing, which was, you know, following the textbook of, you know, growing up, having a family, whatever you stayed with that person. You were, in my mind, my purpose was to be a mother and to stick it out, irrelevant of whatever the consequences were. You know, I was in a, a very emotional, mental, abusive relationship in the past. And I'd now met someone that um, I could see that his purpose was definitely different to mine. But anyway, at that time, I didn't understand. You know, when we got married at 24, I didn't understand things. But by the time I was 30, wow, did things start to change. I went back to the UK and uh, from there I decided to go back and study and at the age of 30, 30, 30 years of age, I, um, I enrolled as a mature student. I worked three jobs and I went to a private college and trained to be a beauty therapist. Now my interest was always from when I was young in art, color, design. But I was told at 15 that um, to help to support the family, which is what I did. So for 15 years, you know, I worked in factories, I worked in restaurants, I worked in cleaning. I, I did everything that I didn't want to do, but I did it because I thought that was my purpose. That's what I had to do. I had to help support my mother and my sisters. So by the time I was 30 and um, enrolling in something that, oh my gosh, when I look back at it, anatomy and physiology, disease, um, learning about the structural skeletal system, all the different systems of the body, the mental state, the emotional state. I went through a program over 10 months where I would sometimes be up till two o'clock in the morning 
studying, going into class the next day and only getting, you know, a, a 52 or a, a 40% pass rate. But I kept on, I kept on, because I knew that my purpose was something that was going to shine through. I eventually reached the 62, 72, 80, and I qualified and graduated as a beauty therapist and I specialized in electrolysis, the removal of hair on women. I specialized in skincare for women that suffered with bad skin and we're talking about the early 80s so we're not talking about um, a time when the advancement in in therapy you know in different cosmetic therapies for women you know was more technical I realized from the start that I didn't want to work for anyone I wanted to be my own boss I want to power and steer my own ship I went to work in a department store, my first job as a qualified therapist, and uh, what a disaster. <laughs> I ended up, I always remember, um, waxing a lady's face, and uh, the wax was too hot, and I burnt the side of her face, and I was mortified and really upset that I'd hurt someone, and more than anything, that, you know, my, all the experience that I'd had, the qualification that I'd gained, meant nothing when going out into the field and actually living the experience of a, a qualified quote-unquote therapist. Looking back, I think my ego told me that, yeah, you're fine, you're, you've qualified, you're ready to go out and save the world and you're great and um, you know, you, you, you're better than anyone else and you're gonna be the best therapist and blah, blah, blah. And um, that experience, one thing that I took away from that was gratitude because I failed on the first attempt and I could have taken that as a way of putting tools down and going back to my life as it was or I could have challenged myself and I think that is what I, I decided to do. Something about the social pressures of adolescence and professional pressures of young adulthood squeezes the passion out of us. We're taught that the only reason to do something is if we're somehow rewarded for it. And the transactional nature of the world inevitably stifles us and makes us feel lost or stuck. That comes from a, a quote by Mark Manson. And that was very true for me, um, feeling that I had to, uh, I had to work, I had to squeeze the passion out of myself and take on the world and go through it in a transactional way of going from not believing to believing, but getting stuck in a world of ego and the way that I believed I had to I had to I had to make good of um, the past and I had to to keep going and prove to myself but first of all I think it was about proving to others proving to the world and um, yeah I, I really do I, I always look back on that time because from there I went abroad to live and again I specialized in what I like to do and I developed a, a young clientele. I moved back to the UK. I started working and managing um, 
a practice for someone that was going abroad and needed a manager to take her business on. So I'd never done anything like this, but I took the challenge and I kept going. And fast forward into 1992, I, with some help, I was given the opportunity to open my own, my very first own um, therapy centre in Bristol, UK, which I did, um, which was terrifying because the one thing that I experienced first and foremost was in a very posh part of town, which I was told as a black woman, you know, you're not going to be accepted. It's, you know, it's going to be hard to get clients. And that was true for the first six months. I remember to help to pay the rent. I would finish work at six o'clock and do a cleaning job. I would go and clean offices. At this time, I was looking after my mother who was in uh, the stages of uh, dementia and my marriage had broken down. So I was living um, quite a, a packed life, but there was something that was driving me and that was my purpose to succeed. My purpose to succeed in believing in myself, not trying to prove to anyone else, but it was more about believing in myself. I had the power through prayer every day to wake up and know that today was going to be a different day from yesterday. I was looking after myself, I was cycling, I was running marathons, I was keeping fit, I was going crazy in this world of being a vegetarian and, and ethically doing things that kept my mind healthy, kept my body healthy and more importantly the spiritual awakening that was happening at this time that I really didn't understand, but I was going along with. I was reading my Bible every single day. It led me through Psalms. It led me through Revelations. It read me through all the different chapters where I was inspired by people through the Bible, the Old Testament especially, that helped me to kind of give me some sort of faith. I then started to venture into the world of the Afrocentric mindset of a woman of colour and how my purpose in life as a black woman that was um, being really kind of challenged with racism at that time. I had especially white middle class business women that would speak to me on the phone and um, sure I was so excited to be coming to this this place that wasn't so far for them to walk um, to get treatments done to you know to be able to have some pampering only for some of these women to walk through the door walk past me thinking I was the cleaner uh, looking for the proprietor looking for me um, and when I would say yeah that's that's me I spoke to you yesterday on the phone how are you and the look of disdain or shock on their face. Some people would uh, make an excuse and leave straight away. Some people would pay maybe for one session when over the phone they'd said that they would like maybe a package of six. So it went on and on and on. But one thing that was giving me drive was the fact that I was becoming more aligned with my spirituality. I was becoming more aligned with accepting my purpose, accepting everything at this time. So I took the good with the bad. Um, I can't say that I wasn't challenged on an emotional level. Sure, you know, I'm, I'm human. It was upsetting 
And the more I was faced with racism, the more I was faced with, um, which I would say at this point was probably out of a hundred, probably about 20%. So it wasn't everyone. I had some amazing clients that stuck with me for the whole five years that I was in that practice. Um, but one of the things that kept me going was the conversations that I was having. I was learning, I was growing, I was learning about people, I was learning that not all white people are racist, not all white people are covert racism, uh, co covert racism. I was learning that back then the terminology that we now know is unconscious bias. I was learning about the, the thread of racism that goes through every single one of us. And I can't deny that, you know, yes, there's racism in me. When we started to see the emergence of immigrants coming from Europe into the UK, you know, like a lot of people, you know, my mind would go to, but there's too many of them coming over. They're going to take over our industries. They're going to take over our jobs. And I had for a while, you know, that thought process. And I'm really happy to share that because it proves that, you know, none of us are inevitable or, or unable to say that we haven't had judgmental thoughts at some point in our life. We haven't had that critic inside of us that wants to make us believe that we're lesser than who we are and that we're threatened by people that can seem um, threatening to us. The challenges came through at this time in a way that I started to read more and learn more about the African heritage part of my culture. I started to understand through listening to Bob Marley, reading all about the different leaders, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, the Black Panthers, um, Frederick Douglass. I started to go into uh, Anthony Browder um, and all these people at the time in the early 90s, you know, they were emerging or re-emerging. And I was finding a new purpose, and that was of a cultural kind of understanding about my father, who from Dominica had come here and challenged himself. He'd challenged himself like many immigrants that had left the Commonwealth and come to the UK, deciding to find a new life, to contribute to the English dream, as they would call it. The streets were paved with gold. There was a place for them to come where they would have been welcomed with open arms and be included into society, which did not happen. You know, we can go into the Windrush story. We can go into the stories of the windows where there were notices of no blacks, no Irish, no gypsies, and no dogs. Um, we can go into all that history and we can understand that, you know, what was sold to that first generation coming to the UK, coming to different parts of Europe, it was different to what they believed they were coming to. So I started to learn all about this. I started to educate myself and I started to build a toolbox and that was an emotional strengthening toolbox 
a toolbox to build my um, mental agility, to be able to converse with people, to be able to talk about things that I was learning for. And all the time, this was, again, it was giving me a sense of my purpose moving forward and starting to look at diversity and inequalities and how I could fit into helping to make a change. Fast forward and again, I, my mother died in 1996 and I made a big decision to move to America. I was there for a while with someone that I'd met, uh, an amazing person who really loved me, but I was unable to accept his love. Um, I realized now, looking back, that I didn't really, I still didn't love myself enough to recognize the love of someone that was very authentic. I was so used to being controlled, um, abusive kind of control that was very benign to my understanding. I didn't understand that mental, emotional abuse was any different from physical abuse. In fact, it was worse looking back. So I wasn't able to understand and accept this man's love. And uh, I eventually moved to Bermuda where I I, I've, I got a job and um, met my, my second husband. And that's a whole nother story. But um, moving there, I think it was the happiest two years of my life. Uh, the first two years of moving there because I was surrounded by such beauty. I had money, I, I'd met new friends, I'd changed my environment. And I think that's something to pick up on because when we change our environment, we're changing, we're stepping out of the routine, we're ste stepping out of what we know. And the challenge then becomes a challenge to stepping into a new space with new smells, new environment, new people, new cultures, new voices, new sounds. Um, new images and all this combined really was a big part of my healing journey which led me to from 1997 to 2001 on a journey of starting to feel that I was I was then specifically doing more body work and um, it was almost like there was this intuitive guidance that was starting to come through that was getting stronger and stronger and I started to recognize that my purpose was to listen to listen to the people that were coming to me with very superficial stories about their life um, but I was hearing something different I was hearing something far deeper and I remember one day a lady very prominent in society came to me and she was very kind of uh, I don't know, very hyper, very anxious. And I was doing a very deep tissue body massage. And it kept coming back to me. I kept hearing this voice saying, she's not telling you everything. She's not telling you everything. And I had to stop. And I just looked at her and I said, something isn't right here. And she said, what do you mean? I said, something is not right. You know, something is wrong. I can feel it in your body, through the muscles, every part of her body that I touched, there was a contraction, there was a tension. But more importantly, there was an image that was coming up, and this image was terror, terror and fear. And from this place, I 
was able to sit with her and hold her for the next 15 minutes while she cried into my shoulder and revealed to me that her husband, very prominent in society, was having an affair. She didn't know what to do, she'd never spoke about it, she didn't know how to manage and she was having a complete inner breakdown. I'm going to stop there and come back for the next episode but um, thank you for listening and um, you've been listening to my podcast. My name is Lana Lynn Marino and you can find me on wellnessjourneys.co.uk UK. My Twitter is Wellness Journeys. My Instagram, Journeys to Wellness. Take care and have a great day and I'll see you next time.